Good evening and welcome one more time to the University of Spiritual Warfare, Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. It's December 30, 2021, and we are delighted to have you on board with us the last Thursday in December of 2021. By the time we look around and Saturday rolls around, it will be 22. And we want to make sure that we get it right for 22. If you kind of messed up, slipped up, you didn't have it down pat for 21, we want you to get it right for 22 because you see time is slipping away. And the more time you spent not knowing who you are, where you are, what you're doing, purpose, as we're going to talk about, you're wasting time. Jesus does not want you to waste time. So let's begin right off the bat. The Bible tells us that everyone will be required to take a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Without this mark, they will not be able to buy or sell. You can sell your labor, your skills as a doctor, as a bus driver or a driver. You cannot sell your skills, your labor. So you cannot get paid. That's right. And you cannot buy, meaning you won't be able to buy foods, groceries, clothing. You won't be able to pay your bills. You won't be able to pay your mortgage, your light bill. All these things are going to be cut off from you. You're going to be cut off from the economy. You're going to be cut off from society. That's what that means. It's a matter of economics. Let's get this thing straight. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it. You know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes, but I want to sow a seed in your heart tonight. I want you to start thinking, because you saw the cards that were placed on the table of 2021, and how quickly these cards were placed on the table. And as a result of the cards placed on the table, New York City, somewhere in California, and different places, they tell you, you cannot go in a restaurant unless you show the mark. You cannot have food in a restaurant. I saw a video with police officers going around in a restaurant. Let me see your mark. Let me see your ID. And they had to show ID. A lady and her son didn't have ID, so they kicked him out. This is the truth. This is where we are today. Please understand, it's at your door. It's here. It's not way down in the future. And, uh, matter of fact, let me burst your bubble right now. The church is not going to be raptured before all these things happen. It's happening right now, and you're still here. So, wrapping this up, it's a matter of economics versus Jesus Christ. You either will hold on to Jesus, not knowing how you're going to make it, what you're going to do, how you're going to live, or what's going to happen, or you'll say, I'll kick Jesus off my bus, and I'll hold on to economics. I'll take on the mark of the beast. It's either or. Very simple. There's no much choice there. It's an either or choice. Economics versus Jesus Christ. The mark of the beast, which you'll be able to buy groceries, participate in the economy, pay your mortgage, buy gas, do anything and everything you want versus Jesus Christ. And please, I hear some people, oh, Jesus will understand. I have to feed my children. I have to buy groceries. I have to do this. Got to take care of my family. No, 
I'm just a preacher boy. I'm just a messenger boy. I'm telling you, there will be no understanding. I teach you what the Bible says. Jesus said, if anyone takes the mark of the beast, he'll be lost for all eternity. He'll be tormented in the lake of fire and brimstone, in the presence of the Lamb, who is Jesus Christ, and of his holy angels. So Jesus outlines the punishment for those who take the mark of the beast. So I am bringing this forth right now. I hate to burst your bubble, but I got to burst your bubble. This is what it is all about. So please don't ask me the question, how will I pay my bills? How will I support myself? How will I support my family? How will I live? How will I keep a roof over my head and food on my table? You need to begin to seek Jesus right now and tell him all that stuff. Ask him, what do you do? This is serious. Again, there is no rapture until certain things are fulfilled. And we're going to go through the fulfillment of these things and hear what Jesus had to say when the rapture will come. The 21 cards, or the 2021 cards have been played. They're on the table. The 21 rollout of the mark of the beast is the handwriting on the wall. In many states, like the state of Florida, there's no compulsory uh, showing of the mark. Texas, Florida. But in many places, New York State, thousands of people have lost their jobs in the healthcare industry. They had to leave. All of a sudden, no workers. They have to send in the National Guard to the hospitals. Try and fill in for these people. They don't care. Let me say that again. The powers that be, the governors and the people that are running the show, they do not care. This is their agenda. Okay? You have to make sure that you know your agenda, the Jesus agenda, and begin to operate within what Jesus has stipulated. So the handwriting is on the wall. And tonight I want to bring you into knowing your purpose. You must know your purpose, what you have been called to according to his purposes. The Bible says all things will work together for good because you love the Lord and you have been called according to his purposes. Do you know your purpose? What is your purpose? Why are you alive today? What is God telling you that you are supposed to be doing? Are you supposed to be an intercessor? What are you supposed to be doing? You see, purpose is very important to people. A knife has a purpose. It slices. It cuts. And a hammer has a purpose. It hammers. Everything in life has a purpose, and everybody in life has a purpose. And you and you and you and I need to know our purposes. I know my purpose. I know what the Lord has told me. This is the reason why I'm teaching the Word now more than ever before. This is the reason why I'm into the Word and revealing the Word now more than ever before because that is my purpose. That is my calling. That is my duty. This is my assignment. I cannot run from it. At one point in my life, I didn't know my purpose. Matter of fact, I didn't even know who I was. But Jesus brought me into the knowledge of who I was and whose I was. Not only who I am, but who I belong to. And after he brought me to the knowledge of that, he began to give me and show me, this is your purpose, son. 
I've called you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And this is your purpose. What is your purpose in the kingdom of God for such a time as this? Please, I beg of you, don't let 22 roll around without knowing your purpose. A knife is to cut, a hammer is to hammer. Let's go to Matthew, the 24th chapter, and we're going to see what Jesus said. If you have a red-letter Bible, you'll see all these things in red letter. And let's hear what the boss had to say about certain things that are in the future, because it's not going to happen the way man told you. They lied to us, okay, telling us that the rapture was going to be coming, and it's going to come before the day of oppression, the day of tribulation, the great tribulation. They lied to us. So let's see when Jesus is going to come back. And Jesus, he's only coming back one time. There will be no secret catching away of the church. Okay? Tell all your friends, Jesus is coming back one time. And here is the teaching. Matthew 24, let's begin at the 15th verse. Jesus said, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Standing in the holy place. Now, I know you probably watched the videos I watched and some movies, and they tell you that it's going to be a pig in the temple or even a man standing in the place for himself to be God. Well, I beg to differ. I got to tell you what the Lord showed me. We do know that there is this man, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, will come and he'll build a third temple in Jerusalem. He will sit in that temple and he'll proclaim himself to be God. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's not what I believe that is. The Bible says there's a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. The abomination of desolation. A couple of years ago, when I wrote my first book, I did a study on the abomination that causes God to waste and destroy. Of course, I studied abomination. Now, do you know where God says you shouldn't eat the eagle and the crane? It's an abomination. Pig? It's abomination when you eat those things. But does God waste and destroy when you eat pork? When you eat duck? When you eat things that he says you shouldn't eat? No. Even though God says it's an abomination, does he make desolate, desolation, waste, and destroy? No. When we go back in the Bible and we study what God has wasted and destroyed, what was that abomination? Well, the answer was after much study, Sodom and Gomorrah. Standing in the holy place, the holy place is what? Matrimony. When God made Adam... And then he made Eve after putting Adam to sleep. He took out a rib and he made Eve, the first woman. Then he brought Eve to Adam. Then he said, Adam, look at this. And Adam was so joyful. He said, bone of my bone, woo, flesh of my flesh. And he was ecstatic. He saw a beautiful woman. I mean, he was overjoyed, and he was just ready to grab a hold of Eve right then. God said, uh-uh, I got to do something first. And God said, I got to marry you. So he took Eve, and he presented her to Adam. 
And he said, for this reason, for this cause, shall a man leave his father and leave his mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife. Leave and cleave. Man and woman. Woman named wife and man named man. So it's not man and man. It is man and woman. Man and wife. God bless them in that garden. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's John 1, verse 1. And the Word was God, and without him was not anything made that was made. That was Jesus. So Jesus was the one that made the official ceremony. He was the one that officially married them. Jesus was the one, the Word, that said, for this cause, this reason, a man shall leave his wife. Leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Jesus was in the garden, and Jesus performed the ceremony right there with the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there. But when the word came, when the voice came, that voice was Jesus Christ. Please understand. John 1, 15, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his grace. Who was that? Jesus Christ. So, here we have an understanding, a deeper understanding about the desecration standing in the holy place. The holy place is matrimony. Verse 16 says, Then those in Judea should flee to the hills. In other words, when you see these things come to pass, run. Go to the hills. Whenever you see these things officially come to pass, it's a run to the hills moment. Now, in 2016... Just about June, July 2016 in America, everything was made official between two men and two women getting married. And as I wrote the book, I didn't write the book until about 2017. I didn't have the full understanding. But God says when these things happen, run to the hills, high ground, to the mountains. A person out of the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field will not return or must not return to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or, or, or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish. The King James says there will be great tribulations. One other version said there will be great oppression or grinding oppression, the oppression of people. The other version says there will be great afflictions of mankind. There will be great distress of mankind. Now, I know you all don't want to hear this kind of stuff, but this is what the Bible says. So all these things are going to happen. Matthew twenty four twenty one. There will be greater anguish, tribulations, oppressions, afflictions, grinding, distress, than at any time since the world began. Meaning... Whenever you see something that has occurred since the world began, and there has never been anything like it in the world, and this is on a worldwide nature, or it's off a white worldwide nature, then you know this time of tribulation has begun. Jesus goes on and he says, and it will never be so great again. In other words, this is the great tribulation. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, unless that time of oppression, tribulation, anguish, distress, dire straits, wicked, unimaginable, 
evil. Unless that time is shortened, not a single person will survive. No flesh will be saved. That's what Jesus said right here. But Jesus said, rest assured, my chosen ones, it will be shortened. Why? For the sake of God's chosen ones. For the sake of the chosen of God. That's you, 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 and you. So even though all these things are going to be happening across the nation of the world, some Christians will die, yes. Many, many of the unsaved will die, yes. But Jesus said, I will remember my chosen ones, and I will shorten the days for their sakes. Do you know why? There must be a people alive and remaining in Jesus to be caught up to meet him in the air. Jesus knows that. And Jesus gave a word to the believers, which is what I'm teaching, that will keep you alive until then. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Why? Because he said so. He promised, and he cannot go back upon his promises. Verse 23, then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah. Not here is Jesus. Here is the Messiah. Or, there is this man. He is working miracles. This man is like God. There he is. Don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders. False prophets and false messiahs. They're not going to come as a church-going person. They're not going to come and say, I am Jesus. No. They're going to come like this guy with his little uh, injection kit, and he has the answer for everybody, and he wants everybody having an injection. That's a false messiah. And that's a false prophet. He has a God complex. And this is what's going to happen. I have the solution. I have the answer. You know who is sending them? Satan. He's sending lying devils in your mouths to speak lies. And this is what God is telling us. False messiahs, false prophets will rise up, perform even great signs and wonders, miracles, so as to do what? Deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. They have gone past those in the world that they control. They don't care about those. They are going after the chosen ones of God, and they are, they are, they are lying signs and great wonders, their evil miracles, is to, do what? is to deceive the chosen of God, if possible. So here we're warned by Jesus. Look out. Don't be deceived. Because this is what is going to happen. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So Jesus warned us, and he tells us what's going to happen. That's why I'm so confident. That's why I'm so upbeat. I know how it's going to end. I know what is going to come. I know what the devil can do, and I know what he's going to do. I know he's going to kill many people, yes. But guess what? I know what Jesus informed me of and what Jesus taught me. Jesus goes on, he tells his disciples, so if someone tells you the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Don't waste your time. Look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will it be when the Son of Man 
comes. So Jesus is saying, when I come, everybody's going to see it. Like a flash of lightning. Flashing in the east, shine to the west. And if you notice anything about lightning, lightning always is accompanied by thunder. Horrific thunder. The more the lightning flashes, my God, is the more the thunder rolls. And remember I've taught you, no man blows the breeze, rolls the thunder. Flashes the lightning, or quakes and shakes the earth. Only Jesus can do that. So the lightning is going to flash in the east and shine to the west. Everybody sees it. Jesus, it was said, it will be just like that when the Son of Man comes, when he returns. Just as a gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. And this is just a figure of speech. Jesus is saying that if there is a carcass, a dead carcass, the gathering of vultures will be there. Everybody can see by the gathering of vultures, crows, that the dead crow, a dead carcass is nearby. So people will know that Jesus is coming. And he gave, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give this example. I wouldn't, but this is what he gave. So these signs indicate that the end is near. And this is what Jesus said. So Jesus is saying that everybody's going to know when I'm coming back. It's not going to be no closed secret deal. It's going to be an open deal. Everybody's going to see it because just like lightning flashing in the east and going to the west, you're going to see. Just like when a carcass is, is, is dead out in the field, you see a whole bunch of vultures gathered there. Bigger the carcass, bigger the crowd of vultures. You're going to see the vultures there. So Jesus said, everyone will know. Immediately after the anguish, the tribulation, the oppression of those days, the sun will be darkened. Oh, my God. Verse 29. Jesus, what did you say? That after all that tribulation, after all that anguish, after all that, the sun is going to be darkened? Yes. That's verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the tribulation, the oppression. So you're coming out of the frying pan and you're jumping in the fire. My God, what? We don't want to hear this, Jesus. Maybe this is the reason why the Bible teachers didn't want to teach that. Nobody wants to hear that bad news, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus said immediately after the anguish, the tribulation, the oppression of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. Can you imagine at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning you get up, there's no sunlight outside. No sunlight. Maybe 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, the sunshine comes out. Then it cuts off at 3 o'clock. Well, that's what the Bible says. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give any light. The stars will fall from heaven. If the stars fall from heaven, where are the stars going to fall to? To the earth. There's a gravitational pull exerted upon the stars to the earth. What does that mean? It means there'll be comets, meteors, meteor showers coming down to the earth. And when you have all that stuff coming to the earth, some of it is going to hit the earth. Some of it's going to fall on buildings. Some of it's going to fall on cities. 
Some of it's going to fall in the sea. When, a, when a, an asteroid, a comet, falls in the sea, what's it going to cause? A tsunami. And if it's a big enough tsunami, people living near the coast, low-lying areas, will die. A 50-foot tsunami will wash over the shore, wash over the houses. That what happened in Banda Aceh a couple of years ago, and people are going to die. 300,000 people died in a tsunami in Banda Aceh, Indonesia, a couple of years ago. Just like that. And here we have Jesus warning and telling us. The moon will be light, stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is not a pretty picture. This is a picture of calamity, catastrophe. And Jesus said all these things are going to happen. So the time of oppression, the great tribulation is not going to be it. Something else is coming. The darkness upon the face of the earth is coming. The stars are going to fall as time is coming. And verse 30, and then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. There will be a sign. Jesus is coming. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. While the people on the earth are mourning in contrition, we're going to be shouting, Hallelujah, even so, Jesus, come. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Why? Because that's what we're waiting for. So here Jesus describes, blow by blow, step by step, how it will be when he returns. There will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31, And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Do you hear that? The Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. So here we have, Jesus said he will send out his angels, the blast of a trumpet, but he will shout. He will gather his chosen ones. The angels will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. Oh, hallelujah. That's where we come in. We're going to be gathered up like wheat into the barn, the garner of God, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. That's when the Bible says, this mortal will become immortality. This corruptible will become incorruption. My body, your body will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We will get immortal bodies, and we will be caught up to fly through the air at incredible speed. To be with Jesus for all eternity. We go to heaven. Those who are dead in Christ, uh, Peter, James, John, all the apostles, uh huh, all the grandmas and grandpas, they are going to be called up from the grave. They will get an immortal body. They will rise from the dead first. But they're not leaving us. We'll all be caught up together to meet Jesus in the air. And this is how it's going to go. There will be no rapture, secret rapture, before this occurs. The church, as Jesus tells it, must go through this time 
of affliction, of oppression, tribulation, and it must go through the time where there will be the darkening of the sun and there will be no light given by the moon. All these things are coming upon the face of the earth. So, let me ask the question then. Have you thought about these things? What will you do? Are you ready? Do you ask Jesus to say, Lord, help me to be ready. Give me a calm, peaceful heart. Because we're going to have to go through some real, real challenges. Are we able? Are we up to it? Of course you are. You're fully equipped. <laughs> of course you're equipped. You have his word. He acts upon his word. That's what Code 7 is all about. So when Jesus acts upon his word, we have to take him at his word. We have to declare his word back to him because he will only watch over his word to perform it. And tonight, I want to bring you something because, you see, I've got to bring you to know something. But the word gives us the wherewithal. The word of God gives us the firepower. It gives you everything you need to stand upon and fight with. There is always a countering word. And I want to give you a word tonight, Revelation 17, a countering word. I taught you this before, Revelation 17, verse 5. But I love to bring you that word again and refresh your memory. Revelation 17 and 5. It says a mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon, the great mother of all prostitutes and obscenities of the world, mother of all harlots, Babylon. I could see that she was drunk, and she was drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Where is that taken from the Bible? Revelation 17.5. If you turn your Bibles there, please. I never teach without Bible. So Revelation 17. Jesus told John. And he gave him a revelation of this mysterious woman. Mystery. Babylon. The great the mother of all prostitutes. The obscenities of the world. And he said, I could see that she was drunk and drunk with the blood of God's holy people. She was gorged on blood. What blood? God's holy people. She shed their blood, and she devoured them. She killed them. She made martyrs out of God's holy people. Of course, I told you who Babylon was, and we... We went down the line and we talked about ba Babylon and who Babylon was. And we are seeing right now that ba Babylon, that great city, is taking the lead. That great city is taking the lead. It's jumping out there in everything that's happening. Uh, the Bible told us what happened. So Babylon is true to her name. That great city. And we are seeing what's going on in that great city right now. So Babylon is coming into her own. She's coming into fulfillment of what God said about her. And he says God's holy people, who are witnesses to Jesus, she will be drunk with their blood. 
She will butcher them. She will murder them. Terrible amount of bloodshed. Terrible amount of killing of the Christians. The King James says she was drunk with the blood of the saints, meaning the New Testament Christians, and the blood of the martyrs. Martyrs mean they're dead. When you're martyred, you're dead. Drunk with the blood of the saints. You're drunk with the blood of the New Testament Christians. When John saw her, he said, I stared at her in complete amazement. He didn't know what he was seeing. But thank God he wrote it. So we know, through revelation, what he was seeing at that time. So here we have a revelation of what's going to happen. So as I began to pray and I said, God, what's a countering word for that? Show me a countering word because if you show something here, what the devil is going to do, there must be a countering word where you are going to counter what the devil is going to do. And this is how we get into spiritual warfare. And the Lord spoke to me and he showed me Isaiah 49, beginning at the 23rd verse. And he showed me exactly what he will do in retaliation what Babylon will do. So God doesn't leave you defenseless. God doesn't leave you helpless. He has a response that he will give. But do you know that response? This is where we come in. Spiritual warfare. Code 7. This is where we come in and giving you the revelation. How to defend yourself. How to stay alive. Keep your family, your children alive. Nothing shall by any means harm you, just as Jesus said. Jesus don't speak idle words, and he doesn't make idle gestures. He speaks truth. Isaiah 49, verse 23 says, Kings and queens will serve you and care for all your needs. They will bow to the earth before you and lick the dust from your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who trust in me will never be put to shame. Oh, by the way, this is your Bible. This is what the Lord says. Isaiah 49. Those who trust in me will never be put to shame. You mean even in the times that are coming? Does this word apply? This was an Old Testament word. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass, but his words will never pass. So it doesn't matter when he spoke it. What matters is that he spoke it. He declared it. If he declared it, he'll do it. Those who trust in me will never be put to shame. Do you believe that? I ask the question, do you believe that? Okay. Verse 24, Isaiah 49. Who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? The plunder of war from the hands of a warrior is the spoils of war. So when people go to war, the soldiers, they get spoils. Sheep, oxen, goats. They even have, they tie up men and women. They tie up men as slaves and they tie up women as slaves. That was the plunder of war. So when they're coming back from the battle, they have bounty. They have plunder. Who can demand that the tyrant let his captives go? Who can do that? And then the response is, but the Lord says, but the Lord declares, the captives of warriors will be released. The plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you, 
Here's a promise of God. I will fight those who fight you. By the way, do you pray this word? Is this a word in your prayer, God? You said you will contend with them that contend with me. You'll fight against them that fight against me. They're too strong for me, Lord. But you, God, you can fix them. And then not only that, but it says, I'll fight against those who fight you. I will save your children. Mm, it's a promise of God. I will save your children. I pray this all the time. For the seed of the righteous, the seed of the righteous, the people of God to be saved. Here's the promise. God says he'll save our children. Then verse 26, oh, I love this one. I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They'll be drunk with rivers of their own blood. All the world will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. God says, look at what he says, verse 26. He says, I, not Norman, not you. Don't even think about putting your name there. The Lord says, I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. So when Babylon comes to shed the blood of the martyrs, I look and I was discerning, and even this morning I was praying and the Lord showed me. And I heard the voice of the Lord say 70 times 7. And we know what that 70 times 7 was. God said, how many times in one day should you forgive? 70 times 7 in one day. And it slowly dawned on me, and God showed me. He says, what? For every one Christian that they kill, shed their blood, I will take vengeance 70 times 7, 490 in one day. I will make them drunk with rivers of their own blood. And all the world will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. They will come to know. Yes, you might kill some Christians. Yes, <clears throat> some of the believers will be martyred. The blood of the saints shall be drunken with the blood of the saints. But for every one, 490, 70 times 7 of them, of theirs, of the evil ones, will be killed. Please, this is the word of God. God says, I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. And they will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. This is what the Lord says. This is what he promised. And God is going to do what his word declares. He will not do anything other than outside of his everlasting word. I want you to know and understand tonight that God has an answer for us. He has a solution for us. He doesn't want you to be running around like a chicken without a head like I used to do. I'm not coming down on you now. I used to do the same thing. I was like a chicken without a head. I was, I was reading my Bible without full understanding a couple of years ago. I said, God, the devil is going to kill everybody. Well, well, how are we going to? And then God said, no, son. He said, took me aside, and he set me down, and he calmed me, straightened my hair out. and said, no, son, go back in the Bible. Take a look at the Bible. And he showed me, there must be a people who will be alive and remaining in him that will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. So when he showed me that, I said, wow. John, the revelator, Revelation 7, said, these are they that have come true. 
great tribulation. They came through it. They washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made it white. And I, well, I went and I said, whoa, not everybody will be martyred. A tremendous amount. And when I read the amount of people that John saw, I said, oh, my God, the uncountable multitude. He couldn't count them. And I said, whoa. And when the Lord began to show me, he gave me all the scriptures, greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. There are more of us than there are of them. You have mighty angels around you as a child of God and around us as the body of Jesus Christ than what they have around them. God can blind their eyes, a whole army, thousands upon thousands, cannot see for looking. He can blind them and lead them astray from you and spare his children. Don't tell me he can't do it. What he has done before, he can do again. And that, this is how he deals with me and he shows me. Anything that God has done, and he has done it before, he can and will do it again. Why? He didn't get old. His power didn't diminish. He's the same God. That's what the Bible says. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll be the same forever. He is the same God. So anything that God has done back when, I want to bring it back to the Lord. Anything he promises to do, I want to bring it to him. Say, Lord, I stand on your word. I stand on your promise. Or your promises. I will trust and I will not be afraid. I have not one bone or one hair of fear in me. None. I am so confident in Jesus and so confident in his word. Why? Heaven and earth is going to pass, but his words will never pass. And because I have that confidence in his word, that word is him, Jesus. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot go back on his word. So when I declare his word and I decree what he said, he must perform his word. So when I read my Bible, I read with understanding. I read and I say, Lord, this is what you promised me. So if I read all this and I see where we stand and how great and how powerful, almighty he is, why are you afraid? People are afraid because they don't know. Jesus said, my people, they perish. They're destroyed because they lack knowledge. And that's my assignment. That's my purpose, bring you knowledge. Bring you encouragement from the word of God. And let you know this is what Jesus promised. He cannot lie. He will do what his word says. He will not do anything outside of his word. That's why we go to him with the word. That's why we code the word. We don't keep, we don't stop one, two, three times. No, we go again seven times. We code the word, honey. And then when we code the word, we know he'll come true for us. Why? Because his word says so. This is what we see those who receive the blessings. This is what we see them do. And that's what they got. Naaman got his blessing. Why? Because he believed the word and he was told, go dip seven times. Don't tell me the word doesn't work. Please don't tell me the word doesn't work. Because if you tell me it doesn't work, that means you're not believing. 
Bible says the fearful and the unbelieving will not make it into heaven. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be unbelieving. I want you to be faithful. And I want you to be believing and trusting. Not in man. The word of the living God. That's the only thing we have to come to Jesus with. The word of God. I have faith in his word. Because I know he gave the word. His word is him. And he is his word. So when we talk about Jesus, we talk about the word. We can't believe and tell me you believe in Jesus. You're going to go to heaven and all that. But you can't believe his word. Huh? And you hear me say all the time, uh, you, you, you can believe Jesus for taking you from earth to heaven and to save you, but you can't believe him for healing you down here? Come on. We need to do a little bit better than that. You need to step up your faith a little bit. Because whatever he says, that's what he will do. And by the declaration of his word, you rehearse the word. You recite the word day in, day out. You come to have faith in it because you'll come to know what it says. You hear me say all the time, if you sling enough mud against a wall, some of the mud has got to stick. Well, if you keep repeating the word, repeating the word, declaring, reciting the word, the word will stick. And what sticks in your heart, you'll have faith in. And the word will begin to work for you because that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be a people that trust in his word. So when I read the scriptures, captives of a warrior will be released. It don't matter how big and how bad they are. Mm -mm. The plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. I, God, will fight those who fight you. Thank you, Jesus. You're too big for me. Huh? When I go to bed, my angels don't sleep. And I teach you this all the time. Angels need no sleep. You do. So what do I do? I code my word. Then when I code my word, I release my word, I go to bed. Time my head hits the pillow, zoom, I'm out. Have a restful night's sleep. Have a peaceful night's sleep. God will give me visions of what he's doing while I'm asleep. I know the battle has already won. Why? His word declares that. That's how confident I am in him. He can't lose. And the Bible tells us that when we begin to pray, and pray without ceasing, my God, God has to ju just dispatch an angel. One angel is all it takes. And when that angel goes out, he does a clean job. He don't need no keys. He don't need nobody's help. He knows what to do. He will deliver God's people. He'll bring them out of their sickness, their disease. He'll bring you out of your condition. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you. My God, what he won't do for you. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? A couple of years ago, after I got saved, I had a fight with Jesus. And I don't know what got in me that morning. I was talking to Jesus, and I was like, a little suspicious with him. I said, why did you save me, Lord? Why didn't I die? All them times I could have died, why didn't you say? Why didn't you let me die? Why? And I was saying, what's up your sleeve? What do you have in mind for me? Because I couldn't find anything in me worth saving. I don't know. I, I was, one day I was just thinking about myself, and I, and I, and I thought, I said, I was not worth it. I was not worthy. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I blasphemed your name so many times. I did all this. I did this. I did that. I, I, I just bombed so many times. I maligned your name. I told so many people that you're a figment of the imagination. And I just did so many evil things. Why did you save me? You know what the Lord told me? He just blew me away. Melt me like butter. With a hot butter knife. He said, because I love you, son. And when he told me he loved me, I was just weeping. Because he just melted me. He saved me because he loves me. I want to tell you tonight. Jesus saved you because he loves you. It doesn't matter how you think and what you think of yourself, how many times you've messed up your messy life, what you did before you got saved. It don't matter. Jesus says to tell you, I love you. And this is why he saved us. And he made us his children. And Jesus says, I will save your children. I will fight those who fight you. I will save your children. They could make their bed in hell. I'm going to save them. I saved Norman. I'm going to save your children too. Because Norman is praying. Don't leave him down there, Lord. Release them. Save them. So I want you to know tonight that you cannot pay Jesus for what he has done. You can't be good enough. You cannot be good enough to pay him back for salvation. You hear what I'm telling you? You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't crawl on your knees and gravel a mile. You can't carry a cross ten miles. You can't be whipped till your skin is bleeding all over trying to please Jesus. All that stuff don't work. All you need to do is come to him and say, Lord, I give up. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. Just like I did. And he'll save you. Why? Because he loves you. No good thing I could see in me. None. While I couldn't see any good thing in me, he saw everything that he wanted in me because he placed it in there. He knew I would turn around. He knew I would serve him. He gave me a plan. He gave me an assignment. gave me a purpose. And he gave you a purpose also. And that's the reason why I want to talk to you tonight. Let you know. Know your purpose of 22. Because if you didn't know it, and you're not sure of it coming out of 21, I want you to be sure of it 22. What is your purpose? What is your assignment? Because, you see, we must operate in assignment, in purpose. All things will work together for you because, what? You love the Lord, and you are the called according to his, what? Purpose. It is so important that you know your purpose. He loves you. And don't look back, please. Don't do any dumpster diving. When Jesus forgave us, the Bible says he cast our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, the very bottom of the ocean. He dropped us since there, and he remembers them against us no more. Please don't try to go down there and find out and come back up and rehash your sins before the Lord. It's not going to work. Why? He has erased it from his memory. Is his memory bad? No. 
sin has been erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want us to lay tonight, get our act together. Get your act together. Know your purpose. Put your past in the past. Bury it. Jesus buried it. He doesn't remember it no more. Leave it alone. Don't let the devil come telling you about your past. Don't let the devil tell you about what you used to be and what you used to do. You just remember you are the best of the best of the best of the best. You're sanctified. You're holy. You're righteous. You're the apple of his eyes. You're the chosen and the elect of God. Don't let anybody tell you you're standing in the back of the bus. Or you're standing in the middle of the bus. Nope. You're number one in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus has his word for you and you and you. So let's operate by the word of God. Let's operate by the word of the living God. Let's come into purpose. Let's come into know our purpose. And by the way, when push comes to shove, and the matter of economics comes in, where Jesus is to be chosen versus the economic condition, the mark of the beast, or Jesus, we will say boldly, give me Jesus, I will not take the mark of the beast. My Jesus will not make me starve. He will send me somewhere. He'll lead me out. I'll run to the hills, whatever he does, but he'll feed me. He'll take care of me. That's what he's going to do. So don't worry about your economics. Worry about what's ahead. We see what's going on in uh, uh, New York City. Don't worry about all that. Start looking ahead. Start praying and ask the Lord. Ask him to guide you. Help you. Look ahead. Plan ahead. He will do it. So let's do that for 2022. Not wait to, 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 to cross the bridge when you get there. Let's make some preparation. Let's make some plans. Let's make some praying. Because again, there will be no rapture until all these things I just read for you in the scripture has been fulfilled. The 2021 cards have been played and they are on the table. The rollout of the mark is here and the handwriting is on the wall. So let's come into purpose. Brothers and sisters, let's come into purpose. We are called according to his purposes. All right? Bible Code 7 is to bring you into the blueprint, the strategy of warfare. That there is a way, there is a strategy that you utilize, and you will be kept, you'll be blessed, you will be uh, taken right through until that time when Jesus returns. Nothing shall by any means harm you. The Lord will provide for you and preserve you and protect you. Life might not go on the way you want it to, and with all the trimmings and the fancy stuff, but it will go on. And you will not be making it by the skin of your teeth either. That's not what the Bible tells me. Bible Code 7 is to bring you into that warfare strategy, that warfare blueprint, that you will make it through until then. And when the time comes, you will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. You'll be alive and remaining in him to meet him in the air, along with the dead in Christ. So let's let that be 
our plan, our purpose. But then again, find out what your purpose here on earth is until that time comes. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now until he returns. Have yourself a fabulous and outstanding night. Friday night we will catch you at 10 o'clock for a happy new year. Watch night service. We'll ring in the new year 22. And we want to get it in on the right foot. We want to send the fire before us. Burn up. Destroy every enemy round about us. So when we walk, the enemies have been taken care of. In Jesus' name, amen.